Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Infinite Earth Radio will not only help you learn from bright, visionary civic leaders who are building smarter, more inclusive and sustainable communities, but you'll discover how you can bring these ideas to your community. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancocks and Vernice Miller-Travis. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. This is your host, Mike Hancox, and today we continue our series of podcasts conducted at the 2017 New Partners for Smart Growth Conference in St. Louis. We did a lot of great interviews at the conference, and we've been weaving them into our schedule all year. And in a few weeks, we'll be kicking off a series of interviews leading up to the 2018 New Partners for Smart Growth Conference, which will be held in San Francisco from February 1st through the 3rd. You can take advantage of discounted early bird registration for this great event by going to newpartners.org. The topic of today's interview is the connection between planning and public health. My guest today is Anna Ricklin, manager of the Planning and Community Health Center at the American Planning Association. Hello, Anna. Hi. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved in planning for health. Why is this work important to you? My background is actually in public health. I was trained in public health and came to discover while I was a graduate student, that while our efforts to help people become more aware of the importance of being physically active and become more aware of the importance of eating healthy foods and how to cook healthy foods, they didn't have access to those things. So people, we could tell people all day to be physically active and get exercise and ride their bike and go on walks with their kids. But if they didn't have safe places to do that, then it was going to be really difficult for them to actually take our recommendations and get the X number of minutes of physical activity per week that we recommend. And the same with food. If there wasn't a grocery store in their neighborhood or people have to drive lots of minutes to get to a grocery store, maybe they don't have reliable transportation to get those healthy foods. So the connection between the built environment and the opportunities and options that are offered through the built environment is really critical for actually implementing for people, for individuals and populations to implement the ideals that we want them to do. So what are, I want to ask, what are some of the important metrics as it relates to planning for community health and and why some of those metrics are important? So if you want to start with some of the metrics, then we can talk about why those particular things are important. Well, I might actually back up and talk about what planning currently does and why we want to even add metrics as a uh, or benchmarks or indicators or whatever, whatever word you want to use to the story. Because historically, planning has been very good at laying out policies and frameworks for how land is going to be used, how transportation networks are going to be built. But they haven't necessarily tied those goals and objectives to very specific outcomes. So if we want our communities to have bicycle lanes, how many miles of bicycle lanes are we talking about? Are we just talking about uh, a general network on the main streets? Or are we talking about a, a system that is the same as that maps onto the regular transportation system where those lanes or or traffic comm streets take people from their residence to their 
jobs, to schools, to access and to other services, grocery stores, et cetera. So active transportation or, or transportation indicators is one area of metrics that we're looking at because those have been lacking. The same goes for food systems. If we're talking about an ideal of a more interconnected food system between uh, producers and consumers, what does that look like from a policy perspective? And then how do we measure outcomes? Do we measure it in acres of urban farms or acres of commercial farms? So that's why metrics are important, so that we know where we're at. And having consistent metrics across communities is really important too, so that we're comparing apples to apples instead of apples to bananas. Yeah, and I think sometimes with that lack of metrics, you have communities that are probably exceedingly good at certain things and they're working harder to be better at it. You have other communities that are just off the charts bad or don't have access to certain things, and they're not focused on that. So is there a particular set of metrics that you're focused on? Is there a, a guideline of here's like the eight things you should be measuring or something along yeah. those lines? Yeah, and I think it's also important to note that metrics themselves are value neutral. It is simply counting what is there in, in terms of policies and counting what is there in terms of built environment outcomes. So what we're working on at APA is not necessarily to compare communities to one another or grade communities against one another, but to simply just say we should all be start all start measuring the same thing. So a few of the categories of things that we're measuring are social cohesion and community development. This is an area that is difficult to measure. It's even difficult to talk about. But one of the ways that we're thinking about social cohesion and community development is measuring the percentage of dwellings within a quarter mile of four or more uses. So are you able to connect from your home to a school, a store, a retail center, a job center? So those are, those are physical measures of social cohesion? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Do you have the opportunity to walk or bike or within a very short distance to a number of different uses? And then research has shown that when people are out and about, they connect with one another. And that is what social cohesion is, people connecting to one another, having a sense of community. Gotcha. Is that the primary measure? Is, are, there other, are there other measures in terms of like how many different social institutions might exist within the community? Are there other things you're looking at? In Absolutely, yes. That's just one example from okay. the set of metrics that we're putting together for social cohesion and community development. We're also looking at food systems. I've been talking about food systems a little bit. One of the metrics that were selected for there is the density of one or more full-service grocery or restaurants with healthy food options or farmer's markets that accept SNAP or WIC benefits are all examples of things that help increase access to healthy foods and therefore things that we want to measure. So you got the social cohesion, you got the the access to food. What are some of the, are there other categories that you're looking at? Sure, yeah. We also are looking at emergency preparedness. We know that communities that are vulnerable to hazards, natural hazards, are also vulnerable to health impacts. So one of the metrics that we're looking at for hazards is do communities have a hazards mitigation plan in place? And that's an example of a policy metric that we're looking at. We're not, it's, it's hard to know what the built environment outcome of that would be. It's not relevant for all communities to have a flood wall, for example, but it is relevant for all communities to have a hazard mitigation plan. And we want to see particular elements in that hazard mitigation plan that look at vulnerable communities. So that's a policy metric that we're looking at for that section. 
So is there a, has the APA put out a whole guidance on metrics for healthy communities? What, is there a complete guidance on what communities should be looking at and measuring? That is exactly what we're putting together now. So it's not out yet. We're still in the process of developing it. So that's why I'm not able to share with you all of the different metrics that we're looking at for each section. But I would say the last key metric that we're looking at is in active living. And that's uh, the one that I mentioned earlier is, are we looking at, looking at the number of bicycle lanes or sidewalk miles as a proportion to the population in the city. So it's kind of a combination metric that is very important for increasing access to transportation options. So is it your vision? So you're going to create this guide and then put that out communities. You're suggesting to communities that they start measuring these things, or at least as many of these things as they can as a benchmark for, you know, improvement, I would assume. Is there any intention to try to aggregate this data to pull data from different communities to maybe to start creating some of that benchmarking for communities, not just against themselves, but against other places. I think that's a great vision. Yes, we're starting with simply setting the metrics. We're also talking about using the metrics for a number of different applications so that they can be put into plans, whether they be comprehensive community plans or neighborhood plans or area plans. But there's also an opportunity to use them in, say, outcome-based budgeting as a city is putting together its budget and deciding what the priorities are and how they're going to dispense money to various departments within the city. As more places adopt the use of the same metrics, it will be easier to compare places to one another and also to get perspective on how places prioritize different elements. So one community might be full on about the active transportation side of things and not as great on the food system side of things. Or one community might have a, a very strong value when it comes to social cohesion and forget about the emergency preparedness. So putting together this set of complete metrics for different domains, I hope will help places think about addressing all of the areas of the built environment. Fantastic. Yeah, as a planner myself, I always thought that the, the planning profession tended to op operate a lot by proxies. So we we think that walkable communities are important. So we say you should do X, Y, or Z, as opposed to like looking at real data and looking at what's specific in this context and developing a strategy that's context specific. So what you're doing is fantastic in terms of coming up with these metrics and getting people to be focused more on it's one thing to talk about walkable communities, but how do you measure how walkable the community is and how do you benchmark against that? Where would people learn more about the work that you're doing? The Planning Community Health Center is on APA's website under our Knowledge Center. So if you go to planning.org and find the Knowledge Center, you can easily navigate to the Planning Community Health Center from there. One of the other things that I do want to mention is you're talking about how does it actually look in the built environment. Uh, one final way that I think that these metrics can be used is through mapping and scenario planning. So if you're looking at the different scenarios for an outcome over time, how, how can these metrics be used to map those onto the actual community that you're working on and see how the long-term impacts could take place? So if I were a community, and, and you may this maybe you may be too early in your in the phase of your work to answer this question. But if I'm a community and I, you know, I, I have a limited resources, I don't have a lot of extra staff time. What would you suggest in terms of starting to measure and create metrics? And are there a certain are there a few things that geez, everybody should be measuring, or is there a way I should think about 
what I should be measuring that would be helpful? I think the first step really is building partnerships and finding out what your data sources are. We're trying to select metrics that have existing data sources, but also some of them do not. And so we're trying to encourage communities to think about collecting that information. But the way that you're going to do that, whether they're existing data sources or you're bringing together people to count new things is through partnerships and making sure that you have perspectives and input from multiple different stakeholders and sectors. So if, if you're really successful at the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. what, will the, what will the things look like 30 years from now in communities in terms of the planning profession and, and metrics? What's your, what's your longer term vision? Our longer term vision is, for me, safe, equitable communities that are accepting and provide services for people of all ages and abilities. And that you need to be able to measure that. You need to be able to measure how equitable your community is or right. how walkable or sustainable or whatever. Yes, and I think that we're not looking at a one-size-fits-all model. We, you know, It's interesting at the Smart Growth Conference and the language around smart growth and the language around sustainability can sometimes default to a simple solution of we all want to live in these nice walkable communities that have XYZ available, and certainly some of the metrics that we're looking at reflect that value system. But it is always a community-led process, and we always need to keep in mind that each place, while not unique, is unique and has its own community and history. Also, that places change over time. Places are not stable, and I think that's something that's really important to remember in America right now, that places change and the population changes, and it needs to be an always iterative process. And that each place has people who have different sets of values, right? That right. They, they prioritize things differently. But that doesn't mean that one person's values are better than another person's values. So options and opportunities for all is really important to maintain, and I think that's planner's responsibility. Yeah, and I, I think what I was trying to get at was the notion that you have a set of metrics or a set of priorities, but as a planner coming to that community, the first question is, what are their priorities and, and where do your where your priorities overlap with theirs as opposed to the other way around? Right. right? Yes, so, I agree with that. So what what needs to happen to get a more consistent use of metrics in the planning profession? I think it could be as simple as simply adding implementation measures to every comp plan that's written. That is often a part that is missed from comprehensive plans. When we did a review of comp plans a few years ago with resources from the CDC, who's actually supporting the development of this work as well, public health has been doing tracking for years, and it's something that planning has not done as well. We saw in many of those comprehensive plans that they had really wonderful goals and some wonderful strategies, but when it came to implementation, that was lacking. And there was no chapter on implementation. There was no chapter on benchmarks or or tracking success. So even just having that become a standard component of comp plans, I think, would be a, a fine first step. Sustainability plans have done better with that. I think sustainability plans, because of the, potentially because of the more pressing nature of the problems that they're trying to solve, climate change, et cetera, they have more often included benchmarks of, of goals of success. It will We will track success when there is a 10% reduction in uh, greenhouse gas emissions in our city, for example. So that's a, that's a first start. So another question that comes to mind is you mentioned that the health profession has been tracking data for a very long time and the planning profession less so. Is there any effort to cross those, those two sets of data? So looking at public health outcomes and looking at some of the metrics that you're talking about measuring and thinking about 
how do, what do we need to increase here in terms of the planning metrics to get better health outcomes? Absolutely. Yes, that is tied. That is certainly tied um, in, in the matrices that we're developing t- uh, for this project. Each metric is tied to a health outcome. Uh, and then there's also interim health outcomes as well. So say when it comes to active transportation, active living, an interim health outcome would simply be more people outside on these trails and sidewalks and bike lanes for more minutes per day. And there's devices that we have to count people and bicycles. That, of course, is not a direct line to people losing weight and having less heart disease, et cetera, but it is an interim measure of those longer-term health outcomes that take nearly a generation to really track. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. You know, I think, folks, a lot of conversation about a healthcare crisis in this country, and the reality is we have a health crisis, not a healthcare crisis. And we think the solution is, rather than making people healthier, it's to give them healthcare. And so the work that you're doing in terms of building healthier communities, getting folks focused on that as, you know, how they live, where they live, how they design those places as being the key driver of their mm-hmm. health more than almost anything else, I think is so vitally important. So I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Is there anything else you want to add for our audience that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I guess I'll just add that uh, going back to the partnership piece, I really do think it is all about relationships. And there was It really is all about relationships and the genesis of planning and public health in the late 19th and early 20th centuries were as united professions. They arose together to address similar challenges, especially in cities, and over the course of the 20th century really became separate professions. And we're seeing them come back together and it's really exciting to use things like data and metrics as tools for knitting them back together. But the the foundation for that is people knowing each other, having conversations, understanding one another's fields of practice, and of course, talking with the communities that they're serving. That's all really great advice. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And thank you so much for the work that you do. Thanks. This was fun. And thank you all for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash infiniteearthradio and Twitter by following at infiniteearthradio.com.